It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas on the defensive line. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs gets you the right candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. And Josh, with fall camp underway, the the buzz is already there. The optimism's there. But you hear Todd Bates talk about what he's looking forward to out of his defensive line. And our man Todd Bates said it feels like Christmas morning. Uh, with the defensive line group that he's got, all the new tools, all the new pieces. He says, we've gotten so many players that have gotten better and improved. So many new guys as well. It feels like Christmas morning to my twins almost. You're going to unwrap some presents and you can't wait to show everybody what you got. Well, first of all, I think Todd Bates would have loved uh, Todd Bates, the poet, would have loved your your open this evening to the uh, the the program. So, yeah, that's uh, that's fun, right? To hear him talk about uh, it being Christmas morning and look at all these uh, presents we've got along the defensive line. And, and really, one of the pieces that Todd Bates highlighted from Sooner Media Day last week was that when they first came in, Oklahoma had one guy that weighed over three hundred pounds. Uh, when they pulled up to the door. And now Todd Bates says, John, that Mr. Schmitty has done his work. And, uh, oh, by the way, Oklahoma's recruited to uh, to that end as well. But the five guys now that they go into camp with this year uh, at 300 pounds or more are Dejon Terry, Isaiah Coe, uh, Philip Paya, Jordan Kelly, and Kelvin Gilliam Jr. And, oh, by the way, Grayson Halton is a name that uh, has added a bunch of weight. Jonah Laulu, who was on the outside last year, is moving inside. He's up to 290. So uh, I-, I like this quote from Todd Bates. Quote, one of the main things that keeps guys from getting movement in the middle on this earth is girth. We finally got some girth, end quote. It seems like that was a big-time priority for them this offseason. It didn't maybe happen early in the transfer portal, you know, they got a guy like Jacob Lacey, but not necessarily the 300, 310, 320 pound guy. But late in the transfer portal season, added Philip Paya, added Dejon Terry to give them that that big time size in the middle. But like Todd Bates mentioned, there are a lot of guys that are coming back that were on the team last year that have shown a lot of improvement, not just in size, but in skill as well. And, you know, Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe, Grayson Halton are three of those guys. Kelvin Gilliam is another one that, although injuries have kind of slowed his progress, is another one to kind of keep an eye on. You know, we saw Grayson Halton in the spring game, and we had an absolutely great game. So they've, they've got a nice group of defensive tackles that are going to be able to provide some productivity throughout the season in a variety of ways. Guys like Dejon Terry and Philip Haya, I mean, you're relying on them to be run stuffers. You know, Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe, they can get after the passer a little bit. They can stop the run a little bit. Uh, Grayson Halton, I mean, he's a pass rusher 
And that's what you want to use him for this season, especially as he continues to develop his body, develop his game until you are able to make him a three down defensive tackle. You're going to get him in there on third and long and just say, hey, Grayson, just go get the passer. Do your little dance after you get that sack and then come off the field and get our offense back on the field. What does Oklahoma need in order for and, and I don't even I mean, you tell me, do, do you want to use the, the word great with this defensive tackle group or what does Oklahoma need to be very, very good with this defensive tackle group? I would say for me, John, first and foremost, I think it starts with Isaiah Coe and Jordan Kelly, just because those are the names that we've familiarized ourselves with the most in Norman. And I think we've seen the most production from those two. So if you could just tell me, and I, I keep talking about the rule of pairs for Oklahoma. It feels like this off season. And to me, you know, along the defensive tackle position for OU, if you could get either Isaiah Coe or Jordan Kelly to take what they've done and really elevate it uh, and, and go to that very, very good place or that perhaps great place. I mean, if you can start there for Oklahoma uh, along its defensive uh, tackle group, I think you're, you're in a really good starting spot, but what do you make of it? I mean, what has to happen in your mind for this to be really good to potentially great. I think if they're good as a group, like we get to the end of the season and we're grading the position groups and we say defensive tackle, you get a B. I feel like that's a, that's going to be enough to help the defense as a whole be much better than what it was a year ago, because a lot of the issue was they weren't getting much push in the run game. They weren't getting much pressure in the pass rush. And so teams were able to kind of do what they wanted to do in the middle of the field, in in the middle of the offensive line. And you need to win up front. You got to win sometimes pretty consistently to be a really good defense. Now, we want to we want this Brent Venables defense to be great. That's what he's here for. We want it to be a top 10 defense. If that happens this year, that's fantastic. I mean, for that to happen, you've got to find some legit elite players on the interior this year to make that happen. But if they're good as a group, then this is going to be a top 50 defense and a top 50 defense gets Oklahoma to 10 wins. In my opinion, Um, I do think they've got enough talent, enough size and enough depth to be a good defense in 2023. And do they have enough different players across its, its defensive lines? Just for example, I mean, Take your pick. I know, I know you don't really have uh, K-State on the schedule this year, but just using Kansas State as an example, Kansas State, I could see where you're thinking to yourself, okay, let's let's plug up the A-gap on Kansas State, right, because they like to run some quarterback option, and uh, you know the, the you know quarterback run game is going to be a big part of it, and that's going to open up uh, really kind of everything Kansas State does. So against everybody, right? Uh, plugging up the run game is going to be first and foremost. That's paramount, of course. But against other teams that want to throw it around the yard a little bit, okay, well, maybe a pass-rushing defensive tackle is uh, of a little bit greater importance, right? A three-tech defensive tackle is maybe a little bit more important. So does Oklahoma have the variety up front that it needs? I really think so because you've got guys like, again, Dejon Terry, Filipaya, who you can plug in as your zero technique, your nose tackle, and just say, hey, just take up space, take on double, triple teams, don't let anybody run up the middle. 
And I think because of what you've done at defensive tackle, now you're not having to play Ronald Bothroyd inside. You're not having to play Ethan Downs or Reggie Grimes inside. You can let them be your five tech or your defensive ends in your three man alignment. But then if you do have to, you do go against a team that maybe isn't going to run down your throat as much. They're going to try and get outside. Well, then you've got a guy like R Mason Thomas, you know, Grayson Halton that are, that are quick twitch guys that, you know, can get to the outside. They can play with speed. Uh, they can use their agility, their quickness to get to running backs as they try to go wide. Again, so much of the defensive line play is about keeping things clean for the linebackers too. So I think that's a big part of how we'll evaluate the defensive tackle group is not just the numbers they put up, but were the linebackers able to get to the backfield? Were they able to get down the line of scrimmage and prevent, you know, a four or five yard gain, you know, stopping them for two yards or one yard or less, uh, you know, I think that's how we'll evaluate the defensive tackle group in addition to the numbers, the raw numbers that they'll put up. But I mean, it's a deep group that is versatile and varied. And I think that's going to benefit Oklahoma that they're not having to play guys in situations that they're not as comfortable in. You know, we saw so many times Neville Gallimore playing defensive tackle or nose tackle for this team under Alex Grinch. And that really wasn't what he was suited for. I mean, he was more suited to play between the tackle and the guard, allowing his athleticism and his quickness to really, you know, throw guys, you know, for a loop and, and take advantage of slower guards. But you put him over a center where he's now going to get double team and that doesn't really benefit him as well. So I, I like what they've done. And I think this defensive line group is going to be really, really nice. And everybody likes Christmas, right? So in closing, Christmas in August, uh, always uh, a welcome sight for Oklahoma. And speaking of things that we love, Oklahoma, big guys back on the board in the recruiting front. And, oh, by the way, speaking of the recruiting front, there's uh, nobody better to help you recruit for your office. That's LinkedIn Jobs. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com backslash Locked On College, where guess what? You're in the business of finding, again, the right candidates, and we know it. Every new potential hire, it can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you don't want to be, as I like to say, 85 90 95%. No, you want to be 100% certain that you've got access to the best qualified candidates available. And again, that's why you want to go check out LinkedIn Jobs, where LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free, linkedin.com backslash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. So let's go ahead and leave LinkedIn jobs right up there because all of our recruiting updates are brought to us by LinkedIn jobs and uh, Oklahoma back on the board, John, in the 2024 class with the commitment of someone we have been uh, waiting on and expecting, but Mr. Isosa from Edmond Santa Fe committing to Oklahoma. A nice offensive tackle prospect, a good win for Bill Biedenboe and the offensive line group, a physical player, somebody who wants to get nasty, uh, somebody who I think he's a legit tackle prospect. I, I think he moves really, really well. He's got good athleticism. And again, he's not just looking to block you. He's looking to bully you. And you got to have guys up front that play that way, that play with that kind of nasty, that kind of demeanor, because it does set a tone. So much about football is is like having the right energy, the right mentality. And, you know, we talk about a guy like Reggie Pearson who's going to play safety for Oklahoma and how much just his physicality and his aggressiveness is going to help set a tone for Oklahoma's secondary and also the rest of the defense. But I think you get guys like a Josh Isosa, and I think that that helps to do the same thing for the offensive line that, okay, 
Josh is getting intense. He's getting physical. He's getting nasty out there. I better up my nastiness to match that so that he's not outshining me because I mean, I want to, I want to do the same thing he's doing. It kind of inspires you when people are willing to do the dirty work and, and get tough, get physical and, and not just, not just block a guy, but you know, play through the whistle, block through the whistle. The same thing that we're excited about saving on bird for because of the cheese it bowl. Same thing we're going to get out of Josh Isosa. He's not just looking to block it. He look, he wants to put you in the ground. One thing that I think everybody will love and not unique, right? For an offensive lineman per se, uh, which I feel like that, like put that on a postcard for me because when we talk recruiting, this is not totally unique, folks. It's uh, sort of a common thread for me. But one thing I love with offensive linemen that you're recruiting is somebody that wrestles too. I mean, the, the skills just are transferable. So when you're talking about Isosa, here's somebody that's a heavyweight class in terms of uh, wrestling. And he, he's used to grabbing big bodies and throwing big bodies around baby. And uh, the footwork and everything that comes with being an effective heavyweight wrestler. You love the, uh, the fact that that's someone that Oklahoma is, earning a commitment from here and uh, potentially signing just to, you know, revisit what some of the offer sheet looks like for one, Mr. Isosa out of Edmond Santa Fe. You had army on that list, Iowa state Navy on that list, Tulsa UNLV and uh, drawing interest from Missouri as well. And that wasn't everyone, but some of the big names on the list for Isosa we're thinking tackle, but you know, it kind of depends on where you look at John, because I see uh, rivals list Isosa as a guard prospect going forward. 24-7 sports is on the uh, tackle train. And uh, let's see, on three, also on the tackle train. So a little versatility, never hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah, two out of three ain't bad. I, I, again, I just see the athleticism. And again, it, if you can get that physical presence on the outside, who is going to really, you know, he's going to, down block well you know taking defensive ends defensive tackles out of the game or he's not out of the game but out of the play and then or is able to use that athleticism to get out wide and prevent linebackers cornerback safeties uh, from disrupting the play i think that that's huge too someone who's going to play kind of like a Braden willis block as many people as he can in any given play so uh the number 13 player in the state of oklahoma again a three-star prospect but what do we talked about on the show if bill beaten bow wants you that offer matters so don't look strictly at the offer sheet i mean the offer sheet can be telling but also let's look at okay who is offering as well if oklahoma is offering that's big for them uh there's there's nobody better in college football than bill beaten bow developing offensive lineman and he gets another good player in isosa uh starting again to show that brent venables this coaching staff really wants to identify talent in the state of oklahoma and make sure that 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 talent stays home getting the commitment from isosa yeah no it's uh exciting for sure and you know you think about uh this offensive line class now for oklahoma has what grown to three uh, isosa obviously <laughs> Uh, and then that joins Isaiah Autry's commitment, who was the the first in this class uh, out of uh, Mississippi. And then uh, Eugene Brooks uh, sandwiched in between the two out of Sierra Canyon out in uh, California. So what do you make of the, the offensive line haul so far for OU? So far, I think it's solid. Again, it's going to take development, but I think that's always the case. You know, we had a five-star 
offensive tackle on campus under Lincoln Riley, and he never developed. So, so much of what happens when you get to campus is your development. If, if, I mean, if you're a three-star player and you develop into a starter, like who, who cares what the stars say? I mean, if you're a five-star player and you don't develop into a starter, I mean, is that a miss on the coaching staff A miss on the player? You know, it, it's a, it doesn't work out any way you put it. So all that matters to me is Bill Biedenboe sees some players and he sees some traits in these players that he really likes and wants to add to his, to his offensive line. Now, it'll look better if they're able to add a Grant Bricks. That's still a big you know, time recruitment that Oklahoma is heavily involved in, but they got to beat out Kansas State. They got to beat out Nebraska. It sounds like, according to our guy Parker Thune over at OU Insider, that they're in a really good spot for it. And also, congratulations, Parker Thune, on your wedding. Uh, congrats to Mr. and Mrs. Thune for tying the knot there. Uh, it looked like a, a great event. Don't want to bury the lead here. He's a friend of the show, so we're happy for him and his uh, lovely new wife. But anyway, um, so Grant Bricks, I mean, that if they can get Grant Bricks, that's a blue chip player that they can add to this group. That'd be huge. Obviously Uh, you want to add as much offensive line depth as you possibly can, especially given that right now, you know, several of your offensive linemen are transfer transfers in Walter Rouse, probably off to the NFL next year. McCade retires, same thing. Andrew rain could potentially go to the NFL after this year as well. So you need to continue to stack classes with good depth that you feel like is, are going to be able to develop into starters at some point. The uh, Thune wedding, by the way, yes, was uh, a very nice time had by all. Beautiful venue, beautiful wedding, and uh, congratulations to Mr. and uh, Mrs. Thune. The stars were out, uh, headlined by, of course, uh, Parker and Rebecca. So congratulations to uh, both of them. That was fun to get to be a part of uh, this weekend. And uh, other than that, I'll let uh, the man himself share uh, all of his uh, tales of his wedding. But, uh, you know, Parker is, I think, feeling positive about Grant Bricks, right? I get the impression that uh, at least last time I checked, Colin Kennedy was likewise feeling positive about Grant Bricks. So you think about these three that Oklahoma has in the class, and then all of a sudden perhaps Grant Bricks to go along with those three. And John, for a class that let's uh, let's just say after Isaiah Autry had a uh, miss or two along the offensive line, if you end by adding Bricks to it, I think that would go a long way to – alleviating any frustrations that Sooner fans have in terms of what this offensive line class looks like. Obviously, work to be done there, and depending on who you talk to, there's some that think, okay, K-State's in the lead. Uh, Probably if you talk to uh, somebody that's drinking the Husker Kool-Aid, there's one or two out there that maybe thinks Nebraska's in the lead, but we've got a couple of folks here down in the Sooner State that feel like Oklahoma out of the party uh, at the Palace is in a good spot uh, in their own life, in their own right as well so we'll see how it plays out obviously would be a gigantic get for oyo yeah we got a couple more recruiting nuggets we'll touch on uh here in a second as well uh but again all our recruiting segments brought to you by linkedin go to linkedin.com slash locked on college post your job for free linkedin.com slash locked on college uh nigel smith top 100 prospect defensive lineman out of melissa texas set his commitment date for September the 9th. Uh, looks like it's going to be as Melissa goes and opens their new stadium. So that's good times. Um, Oklahoma's looking in, like to be in a really, really good spot uh, for Nigel Smith. And, you know, so much of our conversation in this recruiting cycle has revolved around David Stone and Williams Moneri, uh, some other guys as well. But man, you can't sleep on Nigel Smith. 
and how big of a commitment that would be for Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, and the Oklahoma Sooners defensive staff. No, and I'm glad you said that because uh, we've shared that sentiment before. And because of the Williams Winaries and the David Stones of the world, unfortunately, Nigel Smith, we just don't or haven't. Uh, I'm guilty of this. You're guilty of this. Um, everybody probably to some degree is guilty of this because they get asked about Winary and Stone. But uh, don't lose sight of the fact that Nigel Smith could be a superstar NFL type talent up front and is a blue chipper in his own right. And if OU earns that commitment on September 9th would go again, a long way toward this being with Winary, with stone or with either Winary or stone, it would go a long way toward this being an historic defensive line hall for Oklahoma to go along with the Atabares of the world to start shifting the, uh, the tides up front for Oklahoma, which we know that Oklahoma flat out needs to have happen. Yeah, this is a prospect that everybody wants, whether it's Oklahoma or Ohio State, Penn State, Texas, Texas A&M, Alabama offered, Arkansas offered, Auburn, Baylor, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Kansas, LSU, Miami, Michigan, Michigan State, Missouri, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Oregon, Pittsburgh, SMU, TCU, Tennessee, Texas Tech, Tulsa, USC. I mean, the offer sheet is ridiculous. So, again, don't sleep on our man, Mr. Nigel Smith, because he will bury you if you're a quarterback sleeping on him because he's a good player. He's a number 12 defensive lineman in the 2024 class, a top 100 player in the 247 sports composite. Again, the offer sheet is as long as it gets. Uh, it's, it's an elite offer sheet. And so let's also be excited about that because you add him to a class that already has Wyatt Gilmore, uh, that already has Jaden Jackson, potentially could add David Stone and Williams Winery. I mean, this thing is cooking with gas. Again, if you add Nigel Smith. And the, I mean, Brent Venables likes to use the the phrase he takes a back Oklahoma takes a back seat to no one. I mean, Nigel Smith with the talent and the traits that he shows on tape and the size that he has at 6'5, 260. I mean, let's be fair, he doesn't take a back seat to anybody else. He's got the talent to be as good as anybody in this defensive line class. There's no doubt. And somebody that's from Melissa, Texas, that has uh, that type of pedigree playing those types of opponents. Uh, you know, we've talked enough probably over the months and years about the uh, importance of, of all of that. And uh, I do think it counts for something. Don't always get caught up in that. I think there's great football players in the state of Oklahoma and in uh, all over the place. And Oklahoma recruits them from the Southeast and California and Oklahoma and you name it. But it doesn't hurt your feelings when it's Melissa either for, for Oklahoma. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll monitor that. And again, you know, hopefully as we get there, John, we'll have already collected some great news about a Winery and uh, about a stone to go along again with the names that you mentioned in Gilmore and in Jackson. Yeah. The final thing we're going to touch on uh, that is, a offer that went out to an Oklahoma state commitment. That is one. Sorry. Let me backtrack real quick. Nigel Smith's committing on September 8th, not 9th. I want to correct that before we get out of here. Cause I know y'all will tell me that I said it wrong. So I can at least uh, sit here self-assured that I corrected myself. I make mistakes. It happens. There's a lot to, a lot of information to throw out there, but let's talk about a, uh, an offer that went out to an Oklahoma state commitment. His name is 
where I, man, I'm, I lost it. I'm losing Landon. it. Josh. We've got too many windows open. Landon. Cleveland. Thank you. Golly. It's terrible. Sorry. I've got so many windows open and tabs. I'm just trying to make sure I have all the names and I just need to create a little whiteboard to jot all these names down. Anyway, Landon Cleveland, a three-star safety prospect out of uh, Texas, uh, uh, committed to Oklahoma State. The Oklahoma Sooners offered him. Josh and I, we spent some time watching his huddle tape. And please, Brandon Hall, Brent Venables, get this guy to Norman. This dude is a player. He's a playmaker. I mean, he's somebody who can line up in the box because he's willing to come down and smack you. He's somebody who can play with a range. I mean, he's got three, he had three interceptions last season, and all three interceptions were like playmaker interceptions, whether it was ranging, you know, from one hash over to the other, you know, following the quarterback's eyes, or it was backtracking, playing in coverage, but making a play on the football. I mean, none, these were not the quarterback threw the football right to me interceptions. He had to make a play, and that's exactly what he is as a playmaker. Back-to-back 100-plus uh, tackle seasons for one land in Cleveland and uh, had five interceptions last season. And a- as you mentioned, a couple of which were, hey, great play watching the quarterback's eyes and then go break on a football and beat a wide receiver to it and make an acrobatic INT. So, yeah, he's he looks like a, a very nice athlete. He's six foot, six one, depending on, you know, whichever recruiting site you're looking at. Uh, and he looks every bit of a, a six he foot to me. Bigger than that to me. Yeah, and he he might be now. I mean, he might have he might have grown a little bit. He looks longer, doesn't he, than than some of what uh, the defensive backs at times maybe we watch uh, on tape. So yeah, I, I like what I uh, saw on tape. Again, tape is tape, but uh, he looks really good when you flip it on, and uh, looks like a natural safety to me. I mean, I know that probably he could fit in at corner or safety and maybe even cheetah could be a possibility for him uh, down the road. But uh, yeah, somewhere in Oklahoma's defensive backfield roaming around would be a really, really nice side. Yeah. And he's somebody that plays big too. He plays tough. He plays physical. He comes downhill fast and he's looking to hit somebody hard when he does that. So it could potentially be a, uh, an important addition. So to me, like these, these offers that Oklahoma makes to already committed players are really, really intriguing to follow because you never know how that's going to go. If the player decides, okay, I'm going to just stay committed where I'm at, but we've seen them flip, you know, committed players over the last year and a half, whether it was Peyton Bowen or, you know, Grayson Halton or, you know, Jaden uh, Gibson or Nick Evers or um, R. Mason Thomas, I always forget R. Mason Thomas, no matter what conversation we're having. How do I forget R. Mason? He's my favorite player uh, on the defensive line. Anyway, um, so it'll be fascinating to follow and see, you know, are they able to flip this, you know, this commitment from Oklahoma State and just be one more um, salvo uh, across the bow of uh, Mike Gundy and the Cowboys. But uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Be here Monday night, 9 p.m. Central Time for our live show where we'll talk recruiting, we'll talk fall camp, get you ready for the 2023 season every single week. We'll be one week out from the Williams-Maneri commitment, so I know the buzz is going to just reach a fever pitch over the next seven days, so that's going to be exciting as well. Whichever way it goes, we'll have you covered here on Locked On Sooner, so again, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop over on YouTube. Follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef, myself at John9Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. And on Facebook, we're Locked On Sooners Podcast. And we'll be back on the live show and all week long for Oklahoma Sooners content and coverage.
Can't wait till next time. Boomer sooner. <laughs>